it's Callie Zippel, your host of Honest HR, back for another episode with you all. Uh, this is going to be part two of mini series three. Uh, and as a reminder for those maybe who are here for the first time or for those coming back, uh, we do run mini series for this season. And that is particularly so we can offer PDCs or professional development credit as a result. So mini series three is specific to total rewards. This is part two. So you do have to listen to part one before you can uh, use the PDC code that will be provided to you at the end of this episode. So welcome back to those who have listened before. Welcome for the first time for those who are here for the first time. I'm excited to be with my guest today talking total rewards and uh, specifically financial wellness. So Mary, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and say and spell your last name if you don't mind, because I think I mess that up every single time I try. Uh, And tell us about your role, where you're at, uh, why you're in HR, all of the things Mary. Sure. Thank you so much, Kaylee, for having me. I was super excited two weeks ago when uh, you contacted me um, to do this presentation. Uh, my main role is benefits. Uh, but before that, um, just want to talk a little bit about myself. So my first name is Mary. My last name is Fearbach. Uh, so I used to coach JV uh, high school softball for a number of years. So the way that I would get the uh, team in order to remember me as uh, Coach Fearbach is I would say, uh, uh Fear me, fear the Bach. So it's fear Bach. Yeah, is how I you love it. Note that. to self. And, uh, yes, note to self. It uh, you know it's German, and there are a, a couple of uh, vowels in there that kind of uh, throw people for loop. So uh, definitely excited to be here today. So my role, uh, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts uh, in the past. Uh, sorry, Kelly, I haven't listened to all of them. I apologize. Oh, you will. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, I will. Um, and so for those that I have really listened to, it was interesting to me as people spoke about themselves, because usually they will talk about kind of that non-traditional uh, route they took to get into human resources. And I find that more to be the majority when I talk to people. And kind of my story I'm finding is more of the minority and the fact that I knew in high school, actually, that I wanted to go into human resources. Um, so I had actually, I went to Western Michigan University and got my undergrad as well as grad in human resources. So that has always been a path that I have wanted to take. And I'm excited to say that pretty much for the last uh, 15 going on 16 years, I've been in human resources. My current role uh, right now is I actually work for a, uh, a Native American tribe in rural Upper Michigan, uh, and we are a very uh, diverse employer. So I work actually on the on the tribal government side, and I oversee. I am the benefits administrator, so I actually oversee the benefits both for the tribal government uh, as well as our enterprises to include a casino. So we are a pretty diverse in the types of employees that we actually employ. So on our tribal government side, we actually operate a K through 12 school with actually a uh, early childhood uh, program. We operate a health department. We have a police department, a water department. So we have a lot of professional employees working on our government side. And then we operate a casino, a gas station, uh, two different golf courses. So we are rather large. Uh, We have approximately 1,100 employees. Yeah, very cool. 
And I'm a little bit jealous that you found HR when you did uh, and had that direction in your life, because I think the majority of our listeners, including myself, um, lucked into the profession. So I give you props for knowing so early that that was the path that you wanted to take. I've always been interested specifically in the in the benefit path and kind of my, I've, I've done the, the general um, HR practitioner, and I have found really my niche in the benefit world. And one of the reasons, and this is more just a personal story um, that I'd like to share, is actually in college, uh, I was at school and I had two insurances. I had insurance under my mom and insurance under my dad. And I had a, a, a very big billing issue dealing just with some personal medical claims that I had to try and uh, navigate in college and not knowing a whole lot at the time about health insurance and just seeing the nuances of billing coordinating care, uh, coordinating uh, benefits when you have more than one uh, insurance, that really complicated really quick. So it was kind of this this big headache for me. And I found that I really actually liked helping people solve those problems. And I got pretty good with being able to kind of navigate uh, myself and thought, if I can do this for myself, I can probably help others. Mm-hmm. And that the reality of that for our employees is so real, right? I mean, everybody who has to use their insurance or has some medical claims that they have to get through their organization's insurance sometimes run into issues, right? So that is something that I definitely respect and appreciate. And I know uh, other HR professionals listening to this will will identify with. So um, as I mentioned, this mini series that we're in now uh, is is related to total rewards. But this episode specifically, uh, I wanted to talk about financial wellness. And the reality of this topic is something that I don't think um, we think about often. But there's statistics out there all over the place that uh, 40% of Americans, 40%, which is a pretty big chunk, aren't able to cover something as menial as a $400 emergency expense. And so if that's affecting 40% of Americans, it's affecting 40% of your workplace. And so uh, imagine the stress of not being able to pay that bill and how that might affect somebody's work performance or ability to even come to work on a day-to-day basis. So if they're losing sleep over that surprise expense, you know that their work is reflecting that. And so for me, that comes back to this idea of financial wellness. And I know that HR professionals and vendors and benefits providers are really considering this as a hot topic uh, right now in, in 2019 and beyond. So um, if if we're thinking about or considering a way to set us apart from our competitors, financial wellness is certainly something we should consider from an HR perspective. And so, Mary, when we were talking about this, to your point, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were talking about some of the things that your employer, the Native American tribe, uh, does to help your employees um, navigate this financial wellness conversation. So give us give us an overview of what you're doing right now for your employees to better understand the idea of financial wellness in their lives and in their their work. Sure. Um, we actually have a, uh, a couple different both short uh, kind of term solutions for employees uh, as well as some, some more longer term ones, um, more uh, those short term ones. And as you were talking earlier, as you know, you're talking about 40 percent of Americans can't cover a four hundred dollar emergency expense. 
that is definitely true uh, here for our organization. So how as an employer can we help relieve kind of that stress of not being able to go paycheck to paycheck or sometimes even week to week? And so there's a couple strategies uh, that we actually have here to kind of help relieve some of that. Uh, I mean, one of the first things, it's not a traditional financial wellness tool when you think of, but it's a really important tool for us. And that starts with our employee assistance program or our EAP. And one unique thing that we do here is we contract directly with an EAP provider who actually comes on site and meets with our employees uh, on a weekly basis, comes once a week that we actually have space for that e- that EAP provider is able to kind of provide that service and that kind of that that first line of being able to talk to an employee about some of the some of the different issues that happen, including money problems. Yeah, and and I don't think that well, first of all. I don't think our employees, regardless of where they're at, understand this offering of EAP. Um, Most employers, and I'm guilty of this, don't do a super great job of orienting employees to what the EAP program looks like. And I wouldn't even have thought to tap into the EAP from a financial wellness perspective. So I give you some props in identifying that as an area for your employees and then tapping into your EAP to offer those sorts of conversations and assistance. But I think one of the other things you do, and maybe this is in concert with your EAP provider, but is tapping into your 401k provider or offering some sort of training as it relates to your 401k. Am I right? It is. And that will be um, besides what we have found. um, And there are I've looked at a number of programs, and the one thing that we try and do, it's very difficult to customize any type of program to meet every individual need. Uh, But the biggest thing that we found is if we can have one-on-one type of meetings uh, with employees, so both having that face-to-face with our EAP, as well as being having that face-to-face with a 401k, our, our financial advisor. And so with that, we have our 401k provider who comes on site to meet with every new hire to be able to go through the 401k, the importance of that. We'll sit down and have a 401k plan. Uh, And then in in addition, that 401k provider comes on site uh, once a month that will go to our different uh, buildings uh, and our different enterprises to actually meet with employees. And he will just schedule that to be able to come on site to have that uh, individualized approach as best as we can. And you told me that this was required of all of your employees. Is that right? It is mandatory. Um, If they don't go, uh, they could be subject to discipline. We generally don't like to go that route. And I will go out of my way to whether it be a a phone call, a follow-up email, an additional letter to really have all of these additional makeup times that we are able to get that employee to show them the importance of it. So not look like, hey, we're offering you a benefit that you don't think is valuable. We want to be able to come to show them that value. And I think the reality is that people people really don't use that 401k, maybe because they can't, maybe because they can't um, put money aside from their paychecks, uh, or they don't understand what sort of threshold they're able to you know, use as far as budgeting is, is concerned. So offering that one-on-one consultation with the 401k provider, I think is, is a great idea to allow for employees to really understand that benefit a little bit more. 
Yes. And it, once the biggest thing is we need our employees to understand is just to get them to put that to that first foot forward and really be able to show them a workable plan, a workable budget, how really maybe one or even 3% of your paycheck in the end isn't a lot compared to when you're looking at uh, compounding of interest and looking at 20 or 30 years, because those are years you just can't get back. So if you start when you're so much younger in your 20s compared to say in your 40s, that is 20 years that you've lost in, in, in compounding for interest that you just can't make up in, in time. So one of the other things you had mentioned to me as it relates to your 401k um, is this idea of loans against the 401k. So, And I think the use of this benefit is, is a little bit unique to your, your employee base. So um, help, help me understand sort of how the 401k loan is used by your employee base and what you're doing to help them understand some of the repercussions as it relates to that program. Sure. We have, we've offered a 401k loan product. It's actually something in the beginning I was not for, um, mainly because it's a lot of administration um, as well as it's, we don't want our employees, my my perception at the time was I didn't want employees to think of it as just an additional savings account. I wanted them to view it as a retirement tool and in a vehicle for retirement to actually say, hey, when I get old enough, I can retire and I can afford to retire. Uh, But it is a product that we have offered now for a number of years. I believe national averages around maybe 14 to 20 percent for uh, loans as average utilization Ours is pretty much double. Ours is around 28% average utilization uh, of 401k loans for those that are eligible for it. Um, We are rather unique in that we are double, uh, but we have a very just diverse workforce um, in terms of a lot of entry-level employees um, who really are, you know, close to that, that minimum wage or a little bit above. So that to them is more of a savings tool for them. And so my view has really kind of changed over time and the fact if that is a way that they are able to save and it's just a little more complicated than how you get the money, then they are able to, you know, pay for those some some of those expenses. So now it's more of an additional benefit, so to speak, that we might be able to offer to subsects of employees to be able to help them through those pinches of, you know, having to replace a roof that they didn't, you know, plan for, or a, uh, a a new water heater, as an example. Those are big expenses to an employee, as you talked about that $400 emergency expense, that this is a way to help them be able to pay that without having that, that, that stress of not being able to do that. And I think, you know, <laughs> my brother's an accountant, and, um, or he's in accounting. I don't know if his title is truly accountant, but he's in accounting. And when I was considering a 401k loan at one point uh, for an expense that I was realizing, uh, he steered me away from it because of some of the uh, repercussions as it results to taking that money out of the 401k and how it's really hard to get back up to the level, even though a lot of 401k loans have repayment plans and programs that you have to sign up for. So I think just really understanding what a 401k loan um, requires or what the thresholds are or what you can or can't afford 
by being able to talk to a 401k um, provider, right? I think that is just such an opportunity to utilize as an employee that is already putting money towards it. Yes. And so we actually have a couple different um, just kind of financial loans, kind of the, the consequences um, that we are able to give an employee as they're looking to kind of consider if a 401k loan is right for them, because there are, there are, you know, could be monthly expenses. There's the the interest that is charged. There's sometimes a loan origination fee. And as well as that money is not in your account, uh, besides what you're paying in interest, actually making more money in the market, depending on what they were invested in. So that money could be up to say five years, not actually in the 401k growing the way your other funds are. Um, so there is a lot of uh, a lot of education that needs to happen when you offer a 401k loan. So usually how our loans work here is I am really that 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 first line of contacting me in order to do that. Uh, and the one thing that we do have here is we actually have a loan committee before a loan is approved. We review all of the loans to kind of make sure they are meeting the criteria as well. It gives that uh, employee the additional time to think about is a loan right for me. You know, sometimes it, sometimes in the end it is right uh, because we do have employees that maybe because they do have a lot of other debt between mortgage, uh, student loans, that they are not uh, able to be to go to a bank then and borrow additional money, or if they do, it is at a much higher percentage than what our four hundred one k offers. And I think just having the ability to <laughs> know all of those things is key, especially as you said, a lot of your employees are sort of entry level or a little bit more at the um, low end of the wage pool. Uh, Just knowing what all of that means from a 401k loan perspective, I didn't even know 401k loan was allowed or a thing until I was considering this issue that I was trying to tackle as a young professional. So just knowing that it's there and knowing that it's an opportunity or possibility, I think is, is key, especially if we want to allow for some of that stress to be alleviated on our, our, our plan and our employees. Yeah. And besides, you know, our 401k loans, kind of a, some of the other unique options um, that we offer, especially because we don't want employees tapping into their 401k, that there are a couple different options. And those are those short-term ones I kind of talked about in the beginning that I haven't touched on um, is we offer kind of two unique things um, is that we actually offer, well, actually payroll advances for employees. Um, And even with our payroll advance, one of the things we did on our, on our enterprise side is we switched uh, from a biweekly payroll to an, to an actual weekly payroll to be able to help employees um, by giving them their, their steady income weekly instead of doing it biweekly or bimonthly. And, and then in addition to that, that payroll advance, we also um, have a fund and we've actually had it for a number of years and it's called an Employee Emergency Assistance Fund. And, and that is where employees actually donate um, to this fund from their paychecks that other employees uh, can request in case of an emergency. So those are more of those short term things that we can try and help employees um, instead of looking to take some of those longer term things out like a 401k loan. And I love 
both of those mentions. And those are going to be actually the two things that we dive into a little bit more here towards the end of this episode, because the idea of a payroll advance and the idea of this emergency relief fund or whatever you you called this fund is foreign to me. These are these are two programs that I've never been involved in or never even uh, considered offering to employees. And I think if we're really trying to tap into this idea of financial wellness of our employee base, these are two possible places to start, right? So Tell us a little bit more about this payroll advance, what what this program is as far as structure and how often it's utilized and, and really what the feedback is that you get from your employees who participate in this payroll advance program. Sure. Um, you know, our payroll advance system, I mean, it, 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 you can really only request it in a couple different circumstances um, and you have to be able to kind of prove those circumstances. But when they do occur, it is a very big benefit for our employees to be able to kind of access that pay a little bit early. And we allow it really just in a couple different scenarios. Um, and really the first one is, you know, unfortunately we have um, a lot of our employee base uh, does not actually have a, say, a checking or a savings account. Um, so we have a lot of employees who actually still get a paper check. Um, and so some of that has to is problematic when we have employees who are away on travel uh, or they're on a vacation or they have a medical emergency and they are not able to physically access and pick up their paycheck. Um, so we will always um, approve a payroll advance if you are going to be gone on payroll day. Because we do have a a number of our employees who, unfortunately, for various reasons, uh, are not able to establish a a bank account. And that could be we have, you know, employees who are in temporary housing. They move a lot. So it's difficult for them to be able to establish an actual bank. So we offer the ability for employees to get a payroll advance on the dollars that they've already earned um, by if they are gone on an approved vacation um, or business travel. So question, uh, before you jump into the second circumstance as it relates to the the, um, advance, and maybe you were going to get here, so maybe I'm leading you with this question, but uh, do you require any sort of tenure in order to participate in this program? Or have you run into any issues where people are requesting payroll advances and then leave? Or does that not really happen with this program? So just for for that circumstance, employees can only request money that they've already earned. Okay, uh, got it. So they're so essentially, you know, depending on we are a weekly payroll, so it does get a little complicated. Um, and so we work really well with with payroll on these things, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, um, it will be based just on reported hours um, or because we do have a casino based on tips that they've earned. And so all of our tips are turned in um, and paid on a, on a paycheck. Uh, so because of that, we are able to capture those dollars and know those when they, when they come to ask for that advance. Got it. Okay. So then second circumstance. Uh, so our second circumstance has to do when really they have this sudden un- unexpected emergency um, and it really has to be kind of this this serious in nature. And it could be they had received an unexpected bill. And so because of that, it's something they didn't prepare for, didn't plan for, and don't have the money for, but it needs to be taken care of right away. So if the uh, family situation has to do with um, 
you know, if say for some reason they didn't plan um, because in Michigan, we have some pretty significant uh, weather swings in our winter that maybe they didn't plan for a heat bill and their, their, their heat is going to actually be shut off. This is a way for them to be able to access and pay for that if the family family jeopardy uh, of their family life uh, is going to be impacted. So how often is this utilized by your employees and what, what's the feedback when they do have the opportunity to tap into this benefit? So on our enterprise side, it is not widely used. Um, I mean, probably less than... Be, 10% of our employee base probably utilizes a payroll advance, um, mainly because that will put them behind, say, for the following week. So it's, it's, a, it's a budget thing. Um, so it, it's not widely utilized on our enterprise side, um, actually. But for those who utilize it, it is an important benefit. And the feedback is very positive. I think it would be difficult for us to remove that as a benefit. There are some, you know, administrative hurdles and administrative burden by doing some of these things. But if that helps to be able to, you know, retain some of our employees, that is a positive for us. So then this next benefit that you just mentioned that I want to revisit is this emergency relief fund. And so similarly to your... um, payroll advance, there's probably some administrative burden and some some difficulty around this benefit as well. But I think this is one of the coolest things you offer as it relates to financial wellness. So tell us a little bit more about this fund um, and and how it's utilized and, and what that program really looks like. Sure. And this is, actually, this is a very fun benefit to me. I had actually never heard of it before coming here as well. And it's so it's called our Employee Emergency Assistance Fund, or EEAF. Um, and with this fund, um, we have employees through their paycheck. So they're usually asked at orientation when they come through if they want to contribute to this fund. Most employees contribute a dollar, maybe two dollars uh, from their paycheck a week to to this fund. That um, each week then it's put in, and then we actually have a committee who oversees this fund. And so what happens is we have a designated list of those situations that come up when an employee might need to ask for this, uh, ask for assistance from this fund. And so, I mean, I think they've had this fund, I don't know how many years, it's been here for a long time, and it's really only for emergencies. And uh, an employee, there's an application they go through, and in this application, they're just going to ask for what the scenario was. And it can, the criteria is it either can be for themselves or essentially an immediate family member. And the immediate family member designation is similar to what is offered, say, under the Family Medical Leave Act. We use the same same uh, definition to be able to describe what an immediate family member is. And so with that is there are certain criteria. And the first one is, is that they're in a medical emergency? So did the employee or a immediate family member they have a you know heart attack or have surgery or diagnosed with cancer. And they are able to access this fund um, if they need help. Uh, as one example, paying for their insurance premiums while they're off of work. Um, another one could be that they actually have to travel. Being in rural uh, northern Michigan, uh, access to some uh, specialty uh, care related to medical uh, comes at a travel cost. So you might have to to travel three or six hours 
to be able to get some uh, specialty uh, medical care. And so we might be able to help employees offset some of those travel costs, whether it be uh, through uh, driving with helping with gas assistance or food assistance or hotel assistance. And we have um, employees that will ask for money for they might actually have a loved one who have passed away. And so be able to kind of help with some of those unexpected costs when you have a bunch of family who comes in um, and that you need to help prepare or uh, provide food for. And you have to start, you know, essentially spending money before some other benefits might kick in. So this is a way that we are able to help on a very short-term basis. And to your point, I had never heard of a benefit like this. And when you told me about it, I was, and, and you, it's funny because you told me about it as like a side thought. And I was like, yo, this should be something that we talk about it at length on, on this episode, because it's, it's such a interesting take on this idea of financial wellness. And so I do have a question about the program though, is, is there any sort of payback that these employees have to do for the funds that they receive by participating in this? So they don't, um, they're not required to, to pay it back, but what happens is so they are required then to provide supporting documentation after the event has happened, whether that you know be hotel receipts or gas receipts, and they are able to provide those receipts to us. If they don't turn those in, unfortunately, they are not able to ask from the fund again. And then secondly, we ask all new hires when they come through orientation to be able to put in. And then so what happens is anybody the first time can ask uh, for a uh, for a donation from the fund. And then we ask them at that time to make an addition, to, to be able to make a donation and start contributing from their paycheck. Again, it only can be a dollar or two dollars. It doesn't have to be an equal amount to pay back what was given to them. And so what happens if they don't do it at that time, unfortunately, because the, the, the pot can be limited and we don't want to have um, the same people asking multiple times without giving back, that they are not able to ask for uh, additional funds if they don't donate again. Yeah. I, again, this benefit is so cool. And it's such a great spin on this idea of financial wellness for our employees uh, that if there's HR practitioners out there looking for a, a, an out out of the box or outside the norm uh, benefit, this might be a really cool thing for you to consider an offer to your employees. So thank you so much for uh, mentioning it to me in passing the last time we were talking about this (laughs) and then wanting to talk about it a little bit more uh, today on the episode. So is there any other comments or things that you guys are doing within your space that you want to share as it relates to financial wellness? I mean, we do a number of, you know, really those kind of typical, you know, total wellness things where, you know, we have done education. If there's anything I really want individuals to know. So I, I have been in my, my current position just for three years, but I've been associated with the community and the tribe um, for about 10 years. And so what I have found, um, and then my working of 15 years, what I have found the most, and even though it, it takes the most work um, to happen is that, um, it needs to be individualized and there is so much time and emotional energy that goes into that. 
But in the end, you get a much greater payoff uh, because of that. And so that would be the kind of the one thing I've, you know, researched different programs and bringing, you know, other educational material and having classes on site. But what I find is everybody is so unique in what their individual needs are for where they're at in their life at, the, at, at that current moment. And it's so hard to have this prepackaged, you know, off the shelf product. And so any way that you can try and make somebody feel included um, in your, you know, in your culture and that you care about them, you'll get greater rewards on the back end. It might not be something that, you know, shows up on a balance sheet that you can put on the ledger to show to your CFO. But if you can have that personal connection, and that's why I kind of go back to why I chose HR and I chose benefits is because you get to have those one-on-one conversations that are meaningful. And as, as I've always said in all of my positions that I've ever had, that I'm trying to make somebody else else's job easier. So if I can help um, that person who is a blackjack dealer or who is that school teacher um, who, um, or an, an individual who was diagnosed with cancer, you know, they need to fight cancer. I can fight and help them you know, navigate the insurance world. So it's really having that that individualized care and treatment of that employee to say, hey, we're here to help you. We are not an administrative burden uh, to be able to show that value so they can go be more successful in their in, in their position. Yeah, I agree. And when I was in the total reward space and working on benefits and compensation um, in that role, I found that sometimes you know, sometimes you don't know what people need until you try something or you don't know until you ask. So to your point, you know, asking employees or having those one-on-one conversations or just, you know, uh, administering a survey and saying, hey, how can we help you be more conscious of your finances or help you relieve some stress, you know, on your life? Uh, Really great place to start as it relates to this whole conversation of, of financial wellness. So Mary, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, the podcast. Is there anything else, um, anything else you want to share before we do the outro? I really just, we would always love to be able to help employees and financial wellness goals by giving them more money. And unfortunately, you know, we can't, we're, we're just limited by budget. So if there are other individual unique needs that fit within your culture, you know, try it out. I mean, we've tried other things, they haven't worked. And so it's just what works uh, within your company or your organization. Yep. Love it. Well, if there are any listeners that want to reach out or connect with you to talk a little bit more about any of your programs, how can they reach out? Um, Two different ways. I am on uh, LinkedIn. So they can find me on LinkedIn by just my name, Mary Fearbach. Again, F is in Frank, E-U-E-R-B is in boy, A-C-H. So I am on LinkedIn. Otherwise, feel free to uh, email me. Uh, My email address is M as in Mary and my full last name. Again, F as in Frank, E-U-E-R-B-A-C-H at Hannaville, H-A-N-N-A-H-V-I-L-L-E dot org. Cool. And again, Callie Zippel, your host of the podcast, I can be reached on LinkedIn or at Twitter and Instagram at Sherm Callie Z. 
Uh, as always, if you want to interact with the podcast on a little bit more of a direct basis, you can visit our sherm.org slash honest HR website. There are opportunities out there for you to suggest guests or topics on upcoming uh, mini series or episodes. So feel free to interact with us there as well. Uh, thank you again, everybody, for being listeners of the podcast. Mary, for coming out on this episode. Um, and we will see you next time on another episode of Honest HR. This episode is part two of mini series three and is the final episode in the mini series. If you haven't already done so, please go back and listen to part one of this mini series featuring Crystal Frey. Once you've listened to all parts of this mini series, you can enter the SHRM Professional Development or PDC code into your SHRM recertification profile. The code you'll need is 21N6D4A. That's 21-N as in November, 6, D as in Delta, 4, A as in Alpha. Thanks as always for being SHRM certified and of course for listening to our Honest HR podcast.